to another episode of Talking Jacks, tentatively called Talking Blank. Um, but I am joined by uh, Chris Davis, of course, as usual, and uh, Deborah Woolard, um, who is the founder of Block Love. Um, this episode is going to be a little different than normal in the sense that it has uh, very little to do with soccer. Uh, it's more about uh, the Charlotte community and specifically highlighting uh, Block Love, uh, unsurprisingly. But, uh, but yeah, thank you for taking the time, Deborah, from uh, your busy schedule and, uh, and joining us on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me on. But we're going to get uh, right into it there. Um, so the first and foremost, um, how would you describe what Block Love is? Like for those that don't know and haven't heard of it before, uh, what is Block Love? Block Love is literally a whole lot of love, like, we strive to spread as much love throughout the city as possible. And um, we reach a lot of our homeless communities, or there's more than just about the homeless. We try to reach those that may have a need that they're unable to meet. Um, we supply groceries, clothing, toiletries, whatever anyone would need just to be able to go about their daily lives. I got you. Um, and is there any other like day-to-day things that encompass what block love is or, or what are, are there any other details that involve what goes, what you do on a daily basis? Sure. Well, block love has been around, uh, consistently for three years. Um, and this year we decided we would go ahead and become a nonprofit organization right after we got our nonprofit status, COVID began. Um, we have served every single day since March 8th. Um, at the beginning of COVID, we were doing three meals a day. Now that more organizations are coming back out, we serve dinner every day at 6 p.m. Um, at a location uptown. I'm currently on site at that location now. Um, we also do breakfast on Tuesdays and Thursdays and every other Saturday morning. And we do breakfast every single Sunday morning. Now, the thing with our Sunday breakfast is we do a full hot breakfast as well as toiletries and we do clothing and shoes every single Sunday. Um, it became a lot to try to do the shoes and the clothing every day so our neighbors do know that they are able to get shoes, clothing, and hygiene products every single Sunday. And then on Mondays we do lunch which is sponsored by Dilworth Soup Kitchen. Time twister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mouthful there for sure. But yeah. uh, And this is more of a personal type question but I'm really curious because um, I love hearing different stories on like what led people to do what they're doing and that type of thing. So I'm curious, what led you to start a profit or a nonprofit like Block Love or, or take the initiative and, and really uh, make an impact in a community like you are? It's funny because people ask me that. And until recently, I guess I never really thought about it. I just always thought it was the right thing to do. But I know for myself, it's been the fact that I've needed a hand at one point or time in my life, even when I found myself homeless. Um, once when I was by myself as an adult, and then um, when me and my mother were homeless when uh, she was playing domestic violence. So it's just like, you know, it, to me, though, it's just the right thing to do is to be there for somebody, to offer them a hand. If you have it available, why not share it? Giving is so easy to do, and it doesn't require all the time, like, something financial we can give those things away that we have in our own home. And that's how Block Love began. 
So I'm curious, um, I think you may have said it, I may have missed it. How You just started as a nonprofit uh, earlier this year, but how long have you been doing uh, more or less the work that you've been doing? Now, as a total, I've been doing the work for about six years here in Charlotte, three years as Block Love. Um, and I began just doing it by riding around Charlotte. I worked uptown, mm-hmm. so I would often see a lot of our houseless neighbors and I would have like extra like snacks in my lunch bag and we give those out. Then I started making extra sandwiches. Um, then I would literally just like start doing Tupperware meals and giving those out. And then I would ask, you know, what's something that you may need? You know, I, I can't take you off this bench, but what is something I could provide for you? One couple asked me one day, they said, you know, we could really use, we could really use a cart because we have to walk about a mile and a half to the Walmart and a mile and a half back. They would go to the one, I think on Wilkinson Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wow, my daughter used to run track. And we had one of those red wagons um, or like cart things mm-hmm. on wheels. And I was like, you know what? We're not using that anymore. And I gave it to them. And they were like, that was one of the best things they had ever received because then they were able to get their groceries to and from their tent. So it's just simple things like that, just asking people what they need. And then I spoke at a city council about three years ago about the homeless uh, issue in Charlotte, the growing issue. Um, and at that particular time, the city of Charlotte had lifted up a lot of the benches that were serving as bus stops. Um, mm. But as you know, some of our houses, neighbors sleep on those benches, and I couldn't believe they were lifting them up. Um, first, they had put like an arm in between the seats to separate it mm-hmm. and make it uncomfortable so you couldn't stretch across the bench. And then they literally were taking up the benches. And I was like, this is asinine. Like, you got people out here that use those to sleep on at night. And I couldn't understand how selfish people could be. So I went to city council. And then I met a group of people um, that included a young lady, Stacy Phillips, who now serves on my board. And she was like, Deb, you should come out with us because you're doing what we're doing here in Uptown near a location called The Wall. I had no idea what The Wall was. I didn't even realize I worked that close to The Wall. So we met at the corner of Ninth and North Tryon Street. And I just started doing what I was already doing, which was opening my trunk and just sharing whatever I had donated um, whether it was from my neighbors or from my own household, you know, from bed sheets to comforters to pillows um, to sneakers I no longer wore. I was going through a divorce, so <laughs> my ex-husband had left some boots, so, you know, work boots and some of his work clothes. But anything that anyone needed, I was able to give. And then me and my kids started adding additional items to our grocery budget. And now it's grown into what we have today, which is block love. Hmm. So, So it just kept growing and growing off of you know, what you started with. And I'm curious, uh, just on a, I'm just kind of curious about it. Like you just started the the nonprofit. What was the benefits to making it official? Things like that. So one of the things that I did is I I held off. I really didn't want to do a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. but the needs in the city were growing. Um, And it's really hard to get any type of funding. And we have been doing this out pretty much out of our own pockets. Um, mm. I had a good job, um, which I recently quit, so I can do this full time. But anyway, wow. we were doing this out of our own pockets, literally. Um, or we would hit up our neighbors, like the next door app is, you know, good in some ways, bad in some ways, sorry to put that out there. But I used it um, for good, you know, not just to talk about the squirrels and all the dead snakes in the neighborhood. <laughs> I used it to actually try and garner donations. And um, yeah. But at the end of the day, when you're trying to put people in hotel rooms, um, when you're trying to provide somebody with groceries, um, when you're trying to help a domestic violence victim flee in the middle of the night, 
we needed money, you guys. We needed funding. And I was being told that the best way to get that funding is to become a nonprofit. I didn't know that COVID was going to hit as none of us did. Um, and even at the beginning of COVID, it was the private citizen donations that kept Block Love afloat. Like, I mean, it, that's Cash App is a godsend because we were able to continue the meals out here that we provide. And we've been out here every day since March 8th. But having that nonprofit status helped me apply for some of the grants um, that are now enabling us to provide some of the needs for our neighbors, including how some of those in motels. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't use that as a way to solve homelessness because that's not what our goal or mission is at all. Mm -hmm. um, but just this past week, we've helped three families um, pay their hotel bill. Um, a couple of them were already there, you know, but if you're not there for a certain amount of days, Unfortunately, 211 is unable to help you, but people are still finding themselves in a homeless situation in the midst of a pandemic. They can't be out here on the streets, especially when either you've got a newborn baby, you've got a toe amputated, or you've just gotten out of the hospital because you had surgery. They can't be out here on the street. They are our most vulnerable, and we have to have the funds to be able to house our neighbors. Yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, your mission and goals. What have been some sort of challenges and or obstacles that you face in achieving those goals? One of the biggest obstacles is um, we just talked about it, <laughs> really funding. Yeah. You know, that's one of the biggest obstacles. Funding and then also because we are in the midst of a pandemic, trying to get the city and the county to come up with a definitive plan that will say, hey, this is what we're going to do once we're out of all of these phases in the city and the county and the state open back up fully, like we haven't been given that definitive plan for our houseless neighbors. And right now, as you all know, many of them have tents around what is called urban ministry and Morningstar mm -hmm. storage and all along 12th street. That's all good and well, but when everything is open back up, we know those tents, the city's going to want those gone, but yeah. where's that definitive plan? And we want the city and the county to be able to help us help them solve that question. But that has really been our biggest obstacle because what we get hit with, and we've been hit with the entire time through this pandemic, we were just hit Monday with, oh, we're being told we have to leave by August the 5th. And then by Tuesday, I was being told, hey, they got to be gone by Saturday. They needed our home, houseless neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I understand that those that have private property if there are those that are on your property that you no longer want there, you can actually ask them to move. So it really was becoming frustrating, but this has happened numerous times since the pandemic and it puts us in a bad situation because some of our houseless neighbors will go ahead and pack up and move on their own accord, but mm -hmm. then it's harder for them to reach the, the resources. And as you know, urban ministry does provide a lot of those resources that they need from laundries, showers, mental health evaluations, being able to get to and pick up their mail. Um, and if they're not near those resources, they're looking for people to help them um, get bus passes so that they can come back to the resources. Or some of them just say, forget it. And then they're further away from us reaching them. And that's not good. Um, and then, you know, if the private landowners say, hey, we'll wait. But why, why put our neighbors in a panic if there's no definitive plan in place? Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's got to be frustrating. I've, um, I drive past, uh, I, I believe it's, you may have referred to it as Tent City or that, that area over by Morningstar Storage. And it's, it's, it's been tough for me to see that there's, 
there's no definitive plan. And then, like you said, it's, it's back and forth and it's, I can't imagine going through a situation like that. And then especially you trying to, to help them through those instances. And I imagine it's just tough keeping track of all the information that's going on there. And you did of course talk about the, the obstacles that you're facing and have faced in the past, but I'm curious, what has motivated you to keep on going and then seeking that nonprofit status and, and over all these years that you've been a, an organization? So I don't know if you all know, but, we're block love Charlotte, but I call everyone out here our block family. Like everyone literally out here is our, I'm looking behind us because it's our block family. Like they literally are like family to us because we have made relationships. We have been consistent. We have made the relationships. We get to know the stories. And I tell people, stop trying to decipher whether stories you hear are true or false. At the end of the day, these are people with lives just like we have lives. We love them regardless of what it looks like. We come in with a non-judgmental spirit and we just try to spread love. That's what our mission literally is, is spreading love. And that's what continues to drive us. That's what motivates us. Because at the end of the day, it could also be any of us, especially with so many people furloughed furloughed or I hate that word you know what I mean or laid mm -hmm. off during this pandemic it's just it's heartbreaking and the need is great now and then we have those that are panicking because they're knowing they're gonna have to go to eviction court they're gonna have to um, find somewhere to live if they can't pay their bill after they leave eviction court or those that we see on a daily basis that get released from jail or that have checked them out of themselves out of rehab facilities or mental facilities with nowhere to go or when you find those you know who have been kicked out of their motels and hotels or we're still in the pandemic but you have those that are getting kicked out of the shelter for whatever reason you know whether it is a legitimate reason or not they still find themselves out here and we can't leave anyone hanging or without resources it's not fair it's it's not just it's not it's like any main if you just don't care, like if you don't have a heart about these people and that's just not how we're set up. That's why we say we just, we're here to give love and we give that love by being that listening ear to provide whatever resources we can provide and by maintaining a relationship with our black block family, it helps them um, to trust us and in trusting us, then they trust us when we refer them to the resources that are available. Like we don't want to replace what urban ministry and roof above does. We don't want to replace that, but we want to encourage our block families to trust the resources, you know, cause we have a lot out here that will say, Hey, especially now the ones that are still here are like, Hey, I just don't trust what they're telling me. Well, let's walk through the process together. And guess what? Since that we are seeing people get housing, they probably wouldn't have gotten housing if they didn't trust the process. I had one lady tell me, it's my pride. Like, I just don't want to share my story because then I'll be in the system. Yeah. I said, ma'am, we're in the midst of a pandemic and you're out here on the street. Let's push your pride aside. Trust me and I will walk you through the process. She trusted me and now she's transitioning into housing. And it's like amazing. And we don't take the credit for it. We can't take the credit for it. All I want to do is to get the help to the right people. And the way that you do that is by being consistent, by showing some loyalty to our block family and keep your word. You know, I, a lot of organizations and I don't knock anyone, keep your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it, be accountable, follow up with your block neighbors. Don't just say that you're going to do something and not show back up out here. And now that, 
more and more organizations are coming back out because when I say we've been serving since March 8th, we haven't missed a day. Now, not all of us out here every single day, but we have not missed a day. And at the beginning of this pandemic, it was a desert out here. No one was out here. The other organizations that we've worked with in the past let us know we're going to um, discontinue our services until we know more about this pandemic. And that's understandable. But our organization, and especially myself, said, guess what? That need is not going to stop. It's not going anywhere. Hunger is not going to stop. Sleeping in your car is not going to stop. Domestic violence is not going to stop. So guess what? I asked my team, are you all comfortable enough to come out with me? If not, I'll go out by myself. My team has been by my side and has not left. But other organizations, now that they're coming back out, there's like a lot of people combining and, and wanting to do things. And I think that is great. But if you say you're going to do something, do it. Because that's a hurdle and an obstacle. When someone says, well, I'm waiting on this organization and I haven't heard back or I haven't followed up. And that's not bashing anybody. Because mm -hmm. I always say this, there's no competition in giving whatsoever. Block Love does not have all the answers nor the solutions. And guess what? We don't plan to solve the problem of homelessness. But we've been out here and we've been doing the work. So if you're going to do something or say you're going to do something, just do it. But when you don't, it falls back on the ones that have been out here like Watchmen of the Streets, like Project Outpour, like Hope Vibes, like Gracious Hands. Like we haven't stopped just because there's been a pandemic. Yeah, that's, and I commend you for that because, I mean, I know it's, I mean, everything with, that's gone on with the pandemic, uh, it makes everything tougher uh, on the organizations. But like you said, it doesn't stop hunger. It doesn't stop people having to sleep in their cars and all the problems that happen. If anything, kind of amplifies it. I mean, you you have another stressor on top of everything else. It's enough to hurt anybody. So it's great that y'all are able to be out there for them. Is there any single moment, and it doesn't necessarily have to be during the pandemic, um, but it could be. Uh, is there a particular moment that you are particularly proud of uh, since you've been doing this work? Wow, there's many of them. Um, but what makes me most proud of doing this work is, like I said, how the private citizens have come through and supported us in such a major way. Um, not just during this pandemic, but even like in our coldest, harshest seasons, which are our winter seasons, hmm. to see people come together and they take a hold of our mission and they take it to heart and they open up not just their hearts, but their pocketbooks. And they say, hey, Deb, it's too cold for me to be out, but I'll send you some sleeping bags. Or, hey, Deb, you know, let's get some small heaters or space heaters. Let's see what we can't do. And to see people just really come out when they volunteer and they tell me where well, I was thinking it was going to be one way, you know, but you've changed how I see homelessness. You changed how I thought about the people up here at the wall. Oh, I hate that because the wall now has so many negative connotations with it. That's why I call it the block because this is a family up here. At the end of the day, these are real people. They're not thugs, gangbangers, uh, like we heads or crackheads. No, listen, this is real people. Real people hang out up here. Everyday people, people with jobs. But some of the moments that touch my heart the most are the testimonies of our volunteers. Like it really gets to their heart. I always ask people, which you guys are lucky. I'm going to let you off. But normally anybody that says they want to interview any one of us, we told them to come and serve first. So we're going to let you guys slide this time. 
<laughs> but truly, I don't care who it is. I know people at WSOC said she's lost her mind, but Kevin Campbell came and he actually served with us before interviewing. The guy's a QC nerve, you know, anybody. But because of, I do it that way because I think some people will enter this area um, and they'll they'll have a preconceived notion of what they're going to see before they write the story. And I don't mm. want it to be that way. Mm. I want you to come out here and see the story for yourselves, to live it, to be a part of it, to touch hearts, to touch hands, to know that these are real individuals out here. And one of the words that drives me crazy is people say less fortunate. And I always tell our block family every single day when I pray that we are fortunate to be above the ground and not beneath. And that in and of itself lets us know that someone, someone still cares about us, whether they believe in a higher power or not. They have breath in their body today. We're not at their funerals, so we're all fortunate. Um, but I love for people to share their testimony when they volunteer. I've had so many volunteers come out and say they've seen a family member or somebody that they've grown up with or somebody they used to work with or went to church with. I didn't know this person was out here. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. I mean, I've had it from white people, black people, Puerto Rican people and say, man, I didn't know my brother or sister was out here. And then when they make the connections or they hear the stories of some of our, our, our family out here, and they're like, man, homelessness is real. Like, I, I, didn't, I never thought that that type of situation would have someone wind up being homeless because people age out of foster care. People that don't have the mental capacity to be on their own, their caregiver dies. You know, you have to think about a widow or a widower that can no longer afford the bills because that supplemental income from their other partner is now gone. And they find themselves out here. I tell people, please don't come out here with assumptions and judgments because it'll, it'll hurt our cause. Come out here with an open heart and an understanding heart, and I promise you, it will change the narrative of what homelessness looks like. In mm. this, uh, I'll go ahead and kind of end on this note here. Um, let's say there's somebody that's heard this and heard the story and, and what you're doing and is uh, interested in getting involved, maybe volunteering physically or virtually or, or any of along those things. Uh, how might they go about doing that? The biggest thing I tell everyone, even if they hit me up on social media, is I say, please send us an email. Um, it's really easy. Um, that's team at blockloveclt.org. Also on our website, on our contact form, that is really great because it captures a little bit more information for me. Um, but it goes to that same mailbox, which is team at blockloveclt.org. I just want to go ahead and get a little information, see if you want to donate, you know, to send donations, or do you actually want to volunteer, or do you want to do both? Um, and right now, we are in the middle of adjusting how we accept new volunteers because of the pandemic. I did ask all of my volunteers um, to voluntarily get COVID tested. Yeah. Um, not because I want it to be selfish and hog up all the, the uh, COVID tests that are out there, but no. I really think I take this thing seriously and I want to make sure that none of our volunteers are compromised nor any of those that we serve every single day are compromised. And I just, I felt like that was the best way to do it was just ask our volunteers to go ahead and be COVID tested and provide us that. Um, now, as far as like our younger volunteers, I do ask that they come maybe on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, simply because this is still real life out here. 
um, and everyday things happen and occur. I can't control what anyone's mouth may, may say <laughs> or what their actions may portray. So I just ask yeah. everyone to be mindful of that. People think just because you give that people are going to stop doing what they're doing. No, we're on their territory. We're out here hanging out with them. They didn't come hang with us. Like, we came out here to hang with them. And if we're hanging, we got to accept what's hanging. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) we come out, you know, and I don't change it. That's not what I'm out here to do. You know, I am hoping that some light that we shine out here, you know, we want them to, to, to come and, you know, maybe stop doing some of the things that we see each and every day. That's not what I'm here to do at all whatsoever. All I'm here to do is spread some love throughout this city one block at a time. Mm. And uh, we'll, we'll actually end on this final note here. Um, <laughs> even I'm take back what I said a minute ago, but uh, is there anything you'd like to share anything we didn't cover about block love um, that you'd like to add here right at the end? So one thing that I like to do is I think collaboration is key. So um, even with you all doing, like you said, today wasn't about soccer. So that's huge that you all took the time to interview me. Um, But if there's any additional resources that we may not be aware of, email them to us. And that's for any of your listeners and viewers. Please email that information to us. Let us know. Um, who else is doing something out here so that we're not duplicating services? Um, if there are any services that we're missing, let us know. If there's any areas in the city of Charlotte that you know that there are some homeless or houseless neighbors, let us know. We will pull up. We also do free lunches every Saturday throughout the city of Charlotte. So if you want us to come to your neighborhood and offer free lunch or free groceries, let us know. We will pull up. We do it every Saturday at one o'clock. This Saturday will be at Ponderosa near the airport. I mean, we really are just trying to be about um, helping each other and being that hand that we once needed. So we, we don't want to leave anybody out. Um, we're not the only organization out here. We're not trying to be the only organization. Like I said, I believe collaboration is key, especially when you're trying to do something for somebody other than yourself. Right. Well, yeah. that sounds great, Deborah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I'll include the uh, link for email as well as the website in our show notes for both the YouTube and the podcast. And um, yeah, unless you had any other questions, Ben. No, we're good to go. Thank you for Thank taking you. the time, Deborah. I really appreciate it. I told you guys I'm a moving target. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I sat still all day, so I'm literally under a tree. So thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We really do appreciate it. Oh, you guys have a great weekend. You too.